All right, folks, welcome back to the latest edition of the Build It podcast. Joining me as ever is John Hall. Hello, John. Hey, buddy. And joining me, joining us even from um, sunny Northern Illinois is our friend and colleague Bruce Bodie. Bode or Bodie? Bodie. Bodie. There we go. Sweet. Um, and now, courtesy of Chat GBT. Bruce Bodie is an experienced soccer player, referee, and event producer with over 30 years of experience. He has also appeared in a Hollywood film, a Weather Channel documentary, and performed on the Second City ETC stage. Bruce is a co-founder of the Illinois Referee Alliance, an organization de- dedicated to supporting and training referees, referees even, in, in Illinois. In this podcast, we will be exploring Bruce's extensive background as a referee, including his experience as a referee assigner, referee, regional referee assessor and instructor, and referee liaison, yada, yada, yada. Um, we will also discuss why the referee alliance was needed. Additionally, and this is the point here, we will dive into Bruce's role as executive director with the United States Adult Soccer Association and the work he is doing to support adult soccer players across the country. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Nick, you did some deep, deep dive in there, buddy. Not many people who don't off a couple of those things. Ooh, man. You were a hard man. Honestly, you were a hard man to get anything on. There's only like two photos of you. And like one of them was from this soccer foundation thing. That, that, that whole Hollywood weather channel thing might be bullshit for all I know. But um, oh, it's now going out there. Yeah, it's actually not. It's actually true. But not many people have come across that. <laughs> no, I, I will keep looking. And apparently I'm also going to ask you about coconuts at some point. But, you know, we will oh, get to that, I'm sure. My favorite yes. topics. One of my favorite topics. <laughs> So, um, as all that preamble suggested, Bruce is a man of a certain vintage who has a lot of experience both on the refereeing side, on the admin side. He is now very important in the world of U.S. adult soccer, despite appearances to the contrary. Um, he also kindly graced us with his attendance at the Midwest Premier League AGM the other week, and it was a pleasure to meet you there, Bruce. Uh, I know you've been to a couple of DeKalb games. Thank you for your patronage there. Nick, he only came, he only came to the free one. Joel, don't look at him talking about from small acorns we grow this, you know. But to have someone attending executive board meetings in the Calvin uniform, that's something, right? I guess first order of business, without betraying any confidences whatsoever, unless you really want to, Bruce. How was the US soccer AGM? You know, it was so that was my first uh Federation AGM. Um first experience there. I mean, I've been to the USASA one, but not to the Federation. And I'll have to say Honestly, it was um, it was a really good experience. Um, I met a lot of people. Looking specifically at the U.S. soccer side, um, I I can't deny it was impressive. They do a really good job. Their staff does a really good job, and um, it was a well-run event, smooth. Um, I know it. I'm, my reporting. To me, has indicated that's not always been the case in the past, but um, it was good. And um, from my standpoint, in terms of USASA, because our all of our members, or almost all of our members, are also U.S. soccer members, uh, the state associations, uh, in particular, I'm thinking of. They were all there, and so it gave me an opportunity to to meet them in person. I mean, I've only been on the job two weeks, so. It was timing wise, it was perfect for me. I was able to put names with uh, faces for the the people that I've talked to already, and then also just meet a lot of other people that I haven't met yet, and uh, I think give them an opportunity to see me in person and kind of see what I'm about and 
likewise, uh, I was able to do the same for them. So it was a really good experience for me. I think the event went well, uh, learned a, a great deal, both about our organization and about U.S. soccer. So, um, I don't have any good gossipy tidbits, but, um, but it was fun. That's Hawaii. Oh, I know you do. You're just not drunk enough. Yeah. yeah. My, my, my question was any hot topics that were discussed, even if no resolutions, was there any, any topics or any bullet points that you thought, well, that's, that's something we probably need to get figured out sooner than later, even if there isn't an answer yet. Yeah. On the U S soccer side, I mean, one issue, which was, was up for a vote, a bylaw change. Um, there was a ton of bylaw changes. Most of them, um, I kind of, I think pretty well thought out and, and addressed, but the ones that kind of affected, uh, adults, the adults were one, uh, whether or not to pay the president of us soccer. Um, and that's been an issue. I know that's kind of been bounced around out there for a while, but it was up for a vote. It needed two thirds to pass, uh, as a bylaw change. And there was some, a little bit of discussion on the floor, even, uh, before the vote as to the merits of uh, paying the president, uh, it didn't pass. I believe it was a little over a, f a little over 50% in support. Um, so it's still, you know, vote wise, it's still had a ways to go. Um, there was a couple other things that affected us directly. One was we had a proposal out there to reduce the total membership numbers needed in order to be a national association or have a national council. Um, and currently it's 200,000 members. Um, so USASA on the adult side, we're the only, we're the only member of the, um, adult council. Um, and we proposed reducing that to 150. Uh, that one didn't pass. It doesn't I really have an impact on us directly one way or the other. Um, but it was the thinking behind it was to enable some other organizations to become part of the adult council. Um, I think that needs probably some more work before we get that passed or adjust the number or whatever. Um, so those were kind of the two big ones that, that I think were up there. Certainly that, that affected the adult side. I'm trying to remember if there was anything else that was, uh, acing in the ether or talked about in terms of going forward and nothing right now comes to mind, John, to tell you the truth. So, so in your, um, and you and I have talked a little bit the last month or so about this, but but what uh, led you to want to jump into this role as executive director with USASA? You know, I, it wasn't anything I was really looking for, to tell you the truth. I mean, I had a pretty, I mean, I had a pretty good life at the moment. Um, and, but when it was uh, brought up to me, you know, when the, uh, executive director when Duncan was leaving and I looked at him like, okay, I'll, let's see. I'm interested, you know, it's a job in soccer, which, um, you know, as I said, before we started here a little bit, I mean, certainly I always thought, Hey, if I could get a, a paying job in soccer, that'd be great. Cause all my work in soccer so far is kind of volunteer and maybe cover an expense here or two or, uh, take a guess. But, um, so I was like, all right, let's see what's involved. See, uh, what the organization, you know, I knew about the organization, but see what's involved in terms of the job and, and who you're interacting with, what you're doing, because I'd looked at my skill sets, I think 
going back, I've been on some nonprofit boards. I've been involved in the soccer area. You know, I've got some educational training, which applies. Um, I think I'm pretty good with, with, uh, groups and managing groups and teams. So I thought, okay, I think I've got a skill set that would help here. Um, some fresh eyes, maybe move the organization forward a little bit. And as I interviewed, spend more time talking to people, dug into it more. I was like, yeah, this is pretty exciting. The organization is at a point in time. I think that, um, there's some real opportunities going forward and to be a part of that and help drive that going forward. That's uh, a pretty exciting chance. I'm like, all right, let's see what they think of me. Um, and that's, they apparently thought enough to hire me and here we are. So it, it's been, um, exactly three weeks, I believe, since you your new role and um i guess give me give me a uh summary what's the first three weeks been like any big surprises uh thus far that you weren't expecting uh it's been a whirlwind it's been you know the as i've said to people that i've talked about it it's not so much the amount of work that has been kind of crammed in this first three weeks and it's been a lot it's more having to do kind of with the with the timelines because, you know, we're here in March or in early spring and we've got, you know, we've got, uh, amateur cup and the national cups are already underway in terms of planning and progressing, you know, progressing forward with, um, registration and setting up, uh, games and scheduling and things like that. So that's already underway. Soccer fest, which is kind of a big, um, less formal, more recreational fun event, um, in July, that's already well underway in terms of the planning and registering teams. Um, then we've got an AGM in six months, um, as well. So planning on that, uh, which we have to have budgeting for 24 done ready at that meeting, actually a month before that meeting. So, um, it's certainly been a lot of stuff all at once while I'm still trying to kind of find out, uh, who the players are, um, who everybody is. Uh, learning that and one of the big challenges in front of us is figuring out exactly why we are I think is probably the way I describe it is the why what are we doing and why are we doing it and right now we're we're missing a a well-defined vision of what that is I think and as a consequence what are the priorities like what did I you know in the interview process, we talked a lot about what the objectives are, the goals for this role and the organization and how those, um, how we'll be able to achieve them. And that's, you know, a big part of what I got to do, but I've got to get some, a lot of questions answered before we can kind of put that together. And we started on that in, in San Diego, the board and I met for a planning session, um, the, one of the first nights we were there. So. There's just a lot happening all at once. I think now we got through the AGM a little bit, it's settled down a little bit, but, um, you know, this week I already talked to, to, to our staff members where, you know, got to look at the AGM planning, got to look at budgeting already for 24 starting this week. And, uh, so there's just a lot. I mean, some people say, you know, it's like drinking through a fire hose, trying to take a sip from a fire hose and that's apt. It's also kind of the way I've looked at it is like, the treadmill's on full speed and it's like here and drop you on top of it. Um, try to get caught up and then figure out where you're going. Surprises. Um, 
You know, I can't say there's been any really big surprises. I I came in um, knowing the organization a bit, so I like to say I came in with my eyes wide open and knew what I was getting into. I think the first two weeks, three weeks now, have shown that my eyes may have been wide open, but you know, the the um, the glasses were a little foggy or maybe a, a little dark in some places, and so I'm uh, see things differently than when I was on the outside, but no real big surprises, to be honest with you. That's, which has been good. Which has been good. So it's interesting. You, you, um, you, you already went into kind of the biggest challenge and it's funny because I think I might've even mentioned this to you previously, but, but I think that, uh, is one of the defining things in any organization, right? Is, is why, and, and what is our mission statement and what problem are we actually trying to solve here? Otherwise you kind of lose direction and, and go and a thousand different ways, chasing headlines, chasing, um, chasing money, chasing whatever you kind of just, you get lost in the chaos of the day to day. Sometimes I think that's interesting. I, I, I was just rereading the mission statement on the USASA's website, which is bullet points. And it, it, it's, there's a lot to it, but it's not defined because there's so many things there. They mention a lot of things and it's, um, I think kind of root. I uh, get rooting around to the, to the, uh, to the basis of what that is in, in one sentence, I think is a good step. And, um, you, it's funny you brought that challenge up because that was my next question in your, um, in your, uh, you know, first few months, first year, whatever, uh, is there any big or small thing that you'd like to kind of put your stamp on and get either fixed, changed, modified, clarified, or do you not know what that is yet? You know, I, um, in broad strokes, yes. I mean, we kind of laid out, <clears throat> I think kind of a framework maybe is probably a little too generous, but in broad strokes, we kind of looked at, at five areas that are, that we're going to drill down on and kind of get a better handle on what does that, what does that actually mean? Um, but in looking at those, and, and I'll come back to all five of them in a second, but the one that kind of jumps out to me as being maybe more important than the others in terms of how it affects things is, uh, would come under the category, I think of with the broad category of saying, we just need more, more data. And by that, I mean, we need to know more about who we are as an organization. So who are our members and in detail, who are our members? Like, geographically where are they uh dem demographically where are they what you know ages and where are they playing and and things like that i mean you know just all those demographic areas to have a sense of of who we are in terms of our player membership and also in our in our state association membership have a better understanding i think you know we all kind of know you know what the state association what they do do but it varies from region to region. I mean, the issues that are big out, and, and you know this, John, through through the work that you're doing, the issues that are big and important to the group that's in New England are completely different than what you have in Southern California or the Southwest. So neither one by itself defines who we are, but together they give us an indication like, oh, we're, we've really got a broad cross-section of people in the soccer community and the people involved in the soccer community. And when we were going coast to coast, that's, that really widens us out. I mean, 
if you looked at one particular area or region, you could come up with one answer. It's like, oh yeah, we're this, and these are the priorities, and this is what's important, and this is where the culture comes from. And you could do that in probably, I mean, we've got four regions, but I would say, you know, in big scopes, it's probably like three, three and a half parts of the country that kind of have similarities, um, unique to the, to the others. Um, so I think having that data and how we get it and what we get is important because it, it flows into the other, like four areas that we had talked about. So who we are in, in detail, like who are we, that will give us a better idea of why are we and what we need to do. So, you know, I, you've heard growth, growth, growth is talked about all the time. We need to grow. We need to grow. Well, that means something different to everybody that says it pretty much, but in order to grow, whether it's revenue, whether it's membership, whether it's, um, leagues, what that means and how we do that depends on what we know about our, our organization. You know, if we're trying to grow a league in the Southwest, that's, we need to know about the Southwest and what their needs and wants are and desires are. If we're trying to grow a league in Florida, you know, South Florida, that's a completely different, uh, situation. And, you know, part of us, part of the job is to find the overlap, of course, but, but it's also going to be, we need to know about those areas and without the information, we're just guessing. And I, I, I like guessing about things and speculating, but when we're making decisions, we need to have the best information we can going forward. And I, and I'm big on having that data. That's a big part of, of how I make decisions and look at, look at the uh, solutions. So, you know, whether it's growth and revenue, whether it's member services, I mean, how do we know what we provide? Member services is another area that we talked about. How do we know what to provide if we don't know who our members are? And to know that better is like, okay, this is what some value to them. Uh, this isn't a value to them. Uh, this is what their concerns are. These are their challenges. You know, a state, some states have uh, paid staff, other states it's all volunteer. Um, to have a handle on that is really important for us to make smart decisions going forward with the limited resources. I mean, everybody's got limited resources in one way or another, but with our limited resources, we've got to, um, make smart decisions and we can't afford to like just hit and miss. And our membership isn't going to let us do that either right now. So yeah, that, it's funny you brought up the regions and I, and I obviously dealing with the regional premier leagues and seven different opinions and. Uh, or, or at least a handful of different opinions of seven, um, the, the differences are evident. And, and the cool thing is nobody's wrong. Everybody's right for what they're doing in their area. And that's been one of the, the rewarding things of spending the time on those calls with that group of people is they're, they're doing things differently that I never would have thought of, or maybe in the Midwest, it just doesn't work because of climate or whatever, but, but you're able to kind of put all the differences out in front of everybody and, um, and then kind of pick and choose what works for you and what you think might be better. And, and, uh, that's been a big help. I, I'm curious, I know it's, it's probably well beyond your role, but, but I've always wondered, um, where the four regions, like this, is a big freaking country, four regions <laughs> seem, seems like we could have uh, 16 regions to be honest, or sub regions and really hyper get hyper intense on those challenges and those, the sort of the way it is in each of those areas, because and some, I mean, even our region here in the Midwest is, is I think 13 states and there, 
there's a lot of difference between Ohio and the Dakotas and Minnesota and the way that uh, adult amateur soccer works is um, it's, it's just kind of hard to bring it all under one umbrella. But I mean, is there any, I don't even know how you do that. It's a bylaw thing and it's a structure thing. I, I know, but like, does that make some sense to really pare it down a little bit? You know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the, the regional structure, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, it's our organization is, is structured. It has four regions in it, you know, uh, basically West, Midwest, South, Southeast, and kind of, and, uh, the Northeast. And, um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't feel strongly one way or the other about it right now myself. I, it was, there were some people that had, have raised the issue about the utility of our regions right now. Um, and I think that that's probably a discussion, which is going to happen at some point in the future. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, like you say, if you look at it more functionally, I guess for lack of a better description, um, or culturally, maybe it's, you could certainly have more than four. Cause you, as you say, across the, just looking at the Midwest, Minnesota to Southern Ohio, there's a big difference and just lots of different things. And, you know, you look at region three, you go from Texas to the Carolinas, there's, there's big differences there too. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. I don't, as an organization, I'm not, I, I just don't have enough information to say is like, is that a structure that's, what does that structure add? I guess my question is always, what does it add? Um, is what's the value there? Just like us generally as an organization, what's the value? Where are we giving more value to our membership? So my question there is, you know, what's the value? What's the add? I'm sure there, I, I think there is one. I could probably, you know, we could sit here and probably come up with some, we could probably come up with some reasons, but that it doesn't work necessarily. But, um, for me, it's certainly at this point, it's, I don't think it's a priority in the next, you know, year, two years, uh, at least. Um, to well, address, I, I don't think it's, you know. I think it goes, it goes back to your point, Bruce, sorry to interrupt you. It's all data, right? I mean, in your geographic, you know, up in the uh, Northwest from Montana through the Dakotas, you could have a big region because there isn't a population, but I think I, you may just be able to use the data, like you said, to kind of at least consider those kinds of things. Like maybe it does make more sense to have. I think, like, I always think, like, from our standpoint as an amateur club trying to uh, run as efficiently and effectively as we can, we it, it may never happen that we can afford to travel and play in our entire region. I mean, it's it's just you draw a circle around beautiful DeKalb, Illinois, the center of the soccer universe, and um, that's as big as the region should be, four or six hours from there. And, and, you know, like these, you could have these pods of, of this area where you could actually play a season in your entire region, I think would be kind of neat, but I, I, I don't think it's, it's not saving anything. I just, I thought it was an interesting point to bring up with you that it, it's a big damn country for four regions. And I just think it's interesting. So it's, um, in, in many ways, it's a, it's a big damn country and, and that's a real challenge. And, in, and in most ways, you know, it's unique to us as a country. I mean, there's not another soccer country that comes close to us in geographical size. 
So we, I think in some ways we got to find our own model. Right. So what, um, one, one kind of last point about USASA, I know you're, you're three weeks in, I don't want to grill you too much. Um, and I'm a little foggy on all the way the state associations all work and some do more than others and some maybe don't even exist really other than a website, maybe, um, how important is it and how do you at least try to get all the state associations to a common minimum standard of operations where they, there's your subgroup, right? Of your region is their state associations. How do you get them all functioning properly? Is that part of your job? Is that part of USASA's job? Or is that just, it is what it is and we support, but we can't put a ton of effort into it. And, and how, I guess, how does that all work? Um, yeah, it's a good question. And it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's certainly one that, that is, I think part of, uh, those areas that, that we're kind of identifying, whether it's, uh, member services. So like, what, what do we provide? And certainly it also comes into, you know, membership growth in terms of players. Um, they have to function because if you look at it, I mean, if you look at how we work as a business, more or less, we've got USASA, you know, as kind of a parent organization, if you will, as a governing body here. And our state associations are kind of exclusive territory. Um, they've got exclusive territories to represent us. Um, so in order for us as a overall organization to grow, those representatives have to be effective, efficient, um, because they're kind of the direct conduit to the players in most cases. I mean, we have our national, our regional leagues, but the bulk of it comes through the state associations. So it is important. I believe it's important for us as a national organization to be able to provide them tools that they need and help them, whether it be training, whether it be tools, whether it be, um, you know, examples of best practices so that they don't, uh, so that they can be effective at doing their job. And as you said, some are, you know, in some cases not existent or practically non-existent in terms of the activity they have in their area. Um, others are, are more effective. Um, but some have paid staff, some don't, um, some are joint with the youth association. So, you know, the adults are kind of an add on because we you know we're far outnumbered by the youth side and we have to, it's not, uh, you know, I'm not a nothing them guy. I don't, it's not about, you know, the, the, they, they, or the, you know, we did this and they did that, or I'm not about that. We've got to find a way to work together. And, and everybody that I've talked to has been, I think has been very clear, at least to me, it's been very clear in hearing what they have to say. Um, everyone articulates it a different way, but that the end goal, the light, the target, whatever, how you want to put it is everybody's idea of that is pretty common, that that end goal is kind of, uh, across the board. Everyone's been, they're looking to make their organization better. They'd like USASA to be better, more effective, bigger, stronger, have more of an influence. All of those things are kind of across the board, but you know, as you just said before, everybody's coming from their own experience, their own world. Um, and 
they're doing what is right for them in their world. As you say, it, you both can't be right. No, actually, all fifty-four can be right because for their experience, for their world, what they're doing is right. As a national organization, we have to find a way to kind of blend that into a more common understanding and process. And so, in some cases, I think it is a matter of working with the state associations to make them more effective, efficient, so that they've got ideas. I don't expect you know an organization with three effective volunteers to be able to handle coming up with the new ideas, getting them all implemented, handling the requirements that we have in terms of getting us information, material registrations. It's just not practical. And if we as a national organization can give them some tools and say, Hey, this may work for you to plug in, to make part of your job easier, uh, whether it's registrations or holding events or. Maybe we can partner with you or find another partner for you to work on those things. I think that is our role. I think it's a really important role. Um, and because if they're not effective, we're not effective. So the idea of like, well, it's not up to us. I, I'm personally, I don't buy that. It is up to us. It's always up to us to take the first step. And it's, it's interesting. I think, um, I, I don't know. I nerd out on some of the stuff cause I, it's all it's all still new to me. I've only kind of been in this adult admin stuff for five years, six years, and it still trying to figure out how and how to, how to improve it. And, and again, it goes back to why, like, what are we actually trying to improve? Are we trying to just get more state registered players? Is that ultimately what we're doing? Because that defines how we grow or how we grow the game and how we measure. Cause it's a, it's a data point that we can pull year on year and say we grew by 12% and it's all about player passes or, or, I mean, I, 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 uh, I'm glad you have a, a full-time role now so you can think about all these things. Cause there's a lot. To it. And, uh, yeah. Uh, it's over. It's overwhelming to even think of all the questions I want to ask you, to be honest. So I can't believe you actually have to try to solve some of these problems. So, um, you know, but what you said there, it, it's so true, John, to, to jump in for a second. I mean, in many ways, our biggest data point is just player registrations and so of course it gathers all the attention and it's like well growing means we have to have a bigger number there over year to year well it is important and it's important to us for a lot of reasons but i don't it shouldn't be the only data point and it shouldn't be the only thing we look at um because that doesn't tell the whole story you know um so you know there's other things out there i think that tell the story of who we are we just need to get better information to know what the details of that story are. And, you know, it's, I look at you and DeKalb and you and the Midwest Premier League, you know, you, when you look at the numbers, you've grown, you've grown a great deal. And you guys have worked really hard at, at kind of fashioning what your idea of growth looks like and how that fits. So that tells a story. That tells a story in the Midwest as to how you as the Midwest Premier League look at that. And as I've heard you say before, as you mentioned here for DeKalb, you've got a story for DeKalb, you know, you're in the DeKalb area, you've got a community club that is really tied to that community and the success of that, yeah, probably, you know, does it depend on you going to St. Louis to play teams? Probably not. Right. The, but there, maybe there's a role in that that works, but, but as you say, I mean, maybe the success, you know, in some places is what you say that that two hour, that three hour, maybe it's a six hour circle from you. 
for other places, the success, what they look at in terms of growth and their story is like, no, I want to be region wide or I want to be national. I have those opportunities. It's different. And we've got to get information that, that tells you that. No, it's all, it's all, uh, it's all overwhelming because there are so many different ways and, and people think about it. And truthfully, somebody that's loaded and wants to run a club like us could just pay for it and do whatever he wants. And it's not a, it, it, it's a completely different set of constraints of, of what success is and what challenges are. And I think that's where as a nation, we're still figuring out how do we, how do we build from the bottom and, and find a, find a place for all these different clubs to operate within their means and hopefully not have to disappear because there wasn't the platform for them. And I could nerd out on that for a while. So yeah. talk about refereeing, Bruce. That's a hot topic with everybody. <laughs> Nick, are you still with us? I'm still with us. Bruce, before you do, I just want to have my two panelists on the, the Federation thing. Um, the Association, not Federation. Um, is it possible that the, the USASA should be could put itself in a position where it actually dictates what growth is. When you've got these contrasting and conflicting voices of it should be butts on seats, it should be players registered, it should be youth pipeline, it should be this, that, the other, various, various parts, great, crack on, but we're in charge and we've now decided that it is, you know, the youth pipeline. For, for one other thing, like, and all people need to be focusing on that for the next X number of years, and that's the leadership. I'm not saying it should be youth at all. I'm just saying, like, is there is there a possibility that people are looking for leadership, and the leadership is looking for a uniform voice, and the two don't sit next to going next to each other? Yeah, I I think uh, Nick, I think to a certain extent. We, what you are going to see from uh, from USASA is these are the these are going to be our priorities for the next year, three years. This is how we look at it. You know, at some point, I think five years out. Um, and within that, yes, we're going to have to define it because if we don't define it, how do we know if we're meeting? How, if we're, how do we know if we're succeeding? So we've got to be able to define it. We've got to be able to measure it in some way, shape, or form. Um, and without that, we can't tell if we're succeeding. We can't go to our membership. We can't go to anybody else, even you know, outside our organization, and say, hey, we're succeeding. And the question is, well, how do you know that you're succeeding? Well, like, well, because you know we feel better about it, and we've got more players. Well, more players than what? You know, Because we've got top-level competitions. We've got social groups. <laughs> Which one... Which one grows? Which one matters? They both matter. Um, so I think we have to have that um, agreement. And I would, I would um, kind of bend your your initial description. I'm not I'm not being critical of your description in terms of like dictating what those things are. It won't be successful unless we're unless we work as as a team on that, as partners on that with our membership, because if the national organization says, this is what our, our objective is, this is our goal, this is our, our uh, metric for how we measure it. But everybody downstream says, yeah, it's not mine. I don't really care. And I'm depending on them. We're depending on them to, to help us make that goal. It's not going to work, you know? 
it's just not going to work. No, for sure. So for sure. I just think they have, is it, I think our role is to, is to set that, that objective though, and do it in a way that everybody is in agreement or, you know, that there's buy in top to bottom on it. No, I got everybody. I we're never going to have, we're never going to have everybody. Exactly. That's, and that's, that's, I think that's the point I was driving at, but okay. Um, yes, John refereeing, um, as a Brit, right? Um, and we have people probably, when this goes out, people will probably have already forgotten what went off on the weekend in the Premier League um, and the, quote, assault on the referee. Um, but nobody wants to see that stroke. Everybody wants to see that, right? But um, how do we raise, I guess, the respect levels? But how do we, how just, how do we raise the profile of referees and the authority within the game because without referees there is no game right it's no more than a kickabout we're not ultimate frisbee we can't we just can't referee ourselves how do we eradicate that red line that people step over ah boy that's uh that's a really good question nick um start slow and we'll build we and, and build up to to ask me a big question like that i appreciate that um the you know i'm I think a, a couple things. One is um, I, I don't agree with your premise, and your premise is widely held that we can't play without referees. We can't have a game without referees. I think we can. It may be closer to what you say. It's a kickabout and not a competitive game. But I would kind of disagree. I don't think I don't think we're essential. I don't think referees are essential to people enjoying soccer. Now, obviously, that not across the board, top to bottom, but. Um, I look at it that way that the, the players will, in many ways, as you, you know, the players will police themselves to a certain extent, whether there's a referee there or not. Um, if the referee's not doing their job, the, the players will take it on themselves to do the job. Um, but how do you, how do you deal that, that where's the red line? How do we have a culture that's, that's, uh, I guess more respectful of that line? Um, well, no small part of it, I have to say, is the soccer that most people see most often, which is the televised top leagues. So what happened Sunday, um, you know, uh, the, I, I only remember that Fulham was playing. Who are they playing, Nick? Who were they at? Yeah, uh, it was uh, Man United. Oh yeah, it was Man U, because it was the FA Cup game. So yeah, that. To see that as being acceptable behavior is a problem. Um, and now, you know, when you call it what it technically is under the laws as an assault, people look at it and go, that was no assault. Assault is when I got whacked over the head, you know, in the parking lot. That's not an assault. He, he pushed them um, after, you know, he came up from behind it and, to the side and he pushed them and I but under the laws of the and the way things are that's what it's called um but laying hands on the referee I yeah you, you can't you just can't do that there's got to be a there's got to be a place that that it just stops and the punch but the punishment now now the next thing is going to be what's his punishment and how widely known is that punishment as to whether or not it has an effect, people look at it and go, yeah, too far, obviously a problem. Um, 
You know, but it's more than that. I mean, those are the the most egregious examples. But you go out every Sunday afternoon, and it's you know the the um, kind of in many ways, I would describe it accurately as disrespectful way that some people um, approach referees or treat referees is um, while it, you've got the top part that everyone sees, you've also got from the grassroots up and issue two. So if the local league doesn't take it seriously and treat those in- incidents um, seriously and and deal with it through punishment or I don't know that, and there's probably an educational component here. I don't know what it would be that's effective. I got to be honest with you. Um, but that's going to happen too. And I've, you know, I was involved in Illinois here, you know, for a short period of time on the trial board where the most egregious cases that when there was a, uh, get filed, get brought up to us. And, you know, we have to have an effective, meaning it's got to be quick. It's got to be reasonable in terms of its, its punishments and it's reasonable in procedures. Um, but it's also got to be known. I mean, if a player in, um, you know, any any league, whether it's a local league or regional league, if the consequences aren't tied to the action, the learning doesn't happen very well, right? Um, yeah. So, so I would, and that, and I would say that that's a real. My experience of soccer here, um, and it has realistically only been. Midwest Prem level, right? I've only been to a couple of MLS games, and that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, but counter to what I've experienced at the same level in the UK, um, there is a hell of a lot more respect for the referees and the officials over here than there is back in the UK. Um, and part of that, I think, is just the the upbringing of the players. Like you can hear them saying, "Sure, sure, that's the wrong call," or however they want to approach the referee as opposed to the effing and jeffing that you're going to get in the UK, right? That's, you know, that's cultural as well as anything you guys don't like, I swear, unless you're in little cotton socks. But <laughs> I think it's it's only going to get worse, right? Um, and there's got to be, you're right, there's got to be some sort of, le- not leadership, but there's got to be some sort of visible and correlatory punishment across the system because um, if it happens in MLS, then it happens in Midwest Prem and it happens in the rec league on a Sunday morning. That's they just does. And the, the tales of officials being harassed and bullied and threatened and you know injured um, on in, from the UK alone are just hor- horrifying. And here you add in the you know the ever present gun thing and Christ only knows what's going to go off. So um, it's got it's got to be stopped at source. I just don't know how, other than. Well, no, I don't know how. I don't think anybody knows how. Uh, but other other sports managers, all right, right? Obviously, you get the high-profile baseball argument of the umpire. Excuse me. But nine times out of ten, that's just, in verticals again, the coach stroke manager, isn't it? It's not the players per se going nose-to-nose. Um, in football, stroke American football, we'll call it we want, gridiron. Again, it's one per. It tends to be the coach. It doesn't. It's not the players swarming. Um <coughs> It certainly seems to be a peculiar thing to soccer that it's okay to surround the people in charge and intimidate, and I don't get it. There you go. That's my... Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's it's interesting, Nick. I don't... Um, 
I, I don't have the familiarity with with the issues in the UK. I, you know, I, I read some stuff about it because I was involved in a little bit of research here in terms of why our teenage referees were not staying. And I gather, and I, and I trust what you say there, is that it's a bigger issue that that, that issue of disrespect and dissent and things like that is a bigger issue in the UK than it is here. Um, and I think, you know, I, I do think a big part of it is because you mentioned baseball, you mentioned basketball. Uh, I think you mentioned basketball and, and foot, uh, American football. I, I do think there's a cultural aspect to it. I mean, baseball, the argue with the umpire thing, you know, comes from its origins and that's the sport here, you know, that's been around, you know, kind of as a major well-defined spectator sport for a hundred years and that's part of the culture so it goes on i think it's ridiculous that it's taken you know there's comical examples of it but it's permitted as part of the game right and so um and as you say you know here you know we're we're we're, we're I, I, you could say you were going to say we're softer here and nick i could i could read between the lines um in the soccer world but um you know it's uh yeah, the kids and the players come from a little different environment here. You know, particularly when you look at the real huge growth in terms of 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 soccer here. You know, in the last fifty years, yeah, they're you know it's a lot of suburban kids, kind of better behave maybe in some ways. I don't know how you say that than somebody who's who's gone through. You know, their soccer culture goes back. You know, to their great great grandfather, um, and that's carried carried through that it's a and how do you change culture i mean yeah that takes that takes decades and i i, I, I think yeah, i don't have to this really i'm i'm not going to solve it i'm not even in, I, I can't in some ways i don't know that i'm that interested in trying to solve it it's too big a problem it's not on your pay scale um all right let's let's bring it back to funner things then um why in the first place, set up the Illinois Referee Association Alliance, rather, back in the day. What was the problem you were trying to solve? Um, the problem we were trying to solve was um, the the number of well, the number of open um, slots at games, you know, was going up. Um, and you know, people say we have a referee shortage. I think it's more properly defined as we have a game explosion. Our referee numbers haven't. Well, they're trending down a little bit. They didn't, you know, post, you take the COVID years out of there. They're trending down, yes, but they weren't cratering. And they're still not. They're, but they're not going up. And they're not going up nearly as fast as the number of games are going up. So the issue isn't necessarily less referees. It's just more games. And so less slots are being covered. So as we were looking at that, um, uh, my business partner and I were, we said, Hey, is there a way we can train up some people just to be ARs, um, not have to do the full certification. Can we deal with the situation a little bit differently and put some, put some kids out there that can handle this, um, a position and, and then hopefully have a good experience for a year or two and then go on to full certification. And so that's what we were looking at. And so we we actually piloted a program um, 
we talked about it before COVID. We had COVID, so we come out of COVID and we we piloted a program where we we brought in two sessions of uh, teenagers, just like twenty at a time, and and did a little uh, in person uh, training for a couple hours. Did some field session training for a couple hours, um, so they could get out there and work as an AR at the younger teenage games. And it was very well received by them, uh, the people that participated. A number of them continued to do it. Um, and we talked to the local leagues about, it. I was like, hey, you've got a requirement for certified referees. If we train these kids up, will you take them as a suitable substitute? Um, and they said, yeah. The leagues that we talked to in Northern Ireland said, sure. So we've been working on that. Now we're trying to expand it and and add kind of an online component so that they can do a little bit more of the kind of nuts and bolts training, uh, learning in their home, and then get them out for field session that just focuses strictly on what they're going to have to do. So we just pared down. What is it that that first year assistant referee actually has to do on the field? Um, and that's what started it. And, and we've kind of looked at it as like, hey, there's some other training opportunities here because what the Federation has done on the referee side has moved things to an online model with some components that fill in on field training, but on the recertifying referees, the older experienced referees, that's up to the individual states. So some states do, some, some don't. And so we looked at it as like, hey, there may be an opportunity here to do some training as well. Because the referees are looking for it, but they really are. And we think we may have a possible solution, at least in part. I was just looking, um, our, we're actually hosting our, I uh, should be put on by our, our youth academy here at DeKalb and the, one of the local AYSO programs is actually doing a, a soccer referee clinic on uh, Wednesday, March 22nd. Last I heard they right. had 20 some people signed up for it, which is pretty good for a little community that we're in and, um, certainly trying to address that. Is there anything? Again, this isn't your job as executive director, but is there anything like as a club, uh, and, and it gets me thinking about the academy and, and kids and how do we, how do we teach them at a young age about respect and about like, is there, are there referee, um, politeness courses available <laughs> or like, how do we, how do we, other than lead by example, how do we try to do our part? at the club level? You know, I think the lead by example is probably the biggest part, John, honestly, but, but in an intentional way. So it's like, not just like they'll pick it up because it's implied or, you know, they happen to be there, but be intentional about the model that you're setting is like, Hey, referees are important to us. And this is why, and this is why we act this way. I think that's, I think that is important. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably the biggest way that a club handles it. The other way is, you know, again, intentional with the coaches because, you know, the coaches, as you know, I mean, particularly with the kids, they, that coach has a huge influence on the way they act on the field and how they, how they look at, uh, and respect different people associated with the game and, uh, overlooking that piece. You know, you can do all you want broader as a club, but if the coach that that player is with, you know, four days a week, 
for months on end, that probably has the biggest impact, right? Um, so I think there's a there's a component there as well. Um, but it just you know just I, as you say, I think it just comes down to leading by example. I mean, treat people treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, I started in my uh, that's fine. Yeah, I started yelling um, the last few years. Every time I I verbally get excited at a referee, I always say I disagree respectfully. And usually they just laugh because you can't even be mad at me no matter how harsh I say it. If you say respectfully at the end, they they just laugh and we go on about our day and everything's fine. But uh, but it, it's like you have to acknowledge the problem first that, hey, I... I've, I've been critical of referees and stuff and I, I don't take things too seriously anyway, but like you can always do better. And I think acknowledging there's a problem and, and that we all play a part in it is a big thing. So, uh, it's yeah. an important piece for sure. I think there's an important piece for the ref from the referee side as well. I, I, I don't think it's just, it's a part that can be ignored. They have a, referees have a role to play and, you know, we teach we're good on kind of the technicalities and and maybe proper you know positioning and decision making and things like that but we're not always very effective at uh, i would say we're we're not very effective at having a systematic approach to you know how to deal with people is what it comes out to is just how to deal with people and because that's the ref. I mean, you know, in the long run, that's what refereeing's about. It's about just how you deal with people, and you know, it's the most respectful coach in the world. If the referee doesn't give them any respect, sooner or later, you know, their their fuse is going to be too short as well. And you know, I've seen them. I've seen plenty of referees like that. I'm sure you both of you have as well. And and we've got to do a better job at that on the referee side. Um, you know, one one little thing that that I've done for, got decades probably now, um, as a referee, is I introduce myself. Now, granted, I'm on the on the older end, and so it's a little easier for me to do this, but it's been very effective. I introduce myself to every coach at every game I'm at by first name, and I ask if I can use their first name as well, and I tell them to use my first name. If they're yelling at me, they've got something to say, call me Bruce. And I'm no longer the amorphous referee and Bruce. And you're John and you're Nick. So when I talk to you or if I have to talk to you, it's, hey, John, hey, Nick. And when you yell, hey, referee, I'm like, John, it's Bruce. Call me Bruce. I think just that little step of personalizing that a little bit helps. I It is... You know, I'm, my experience has been it helps me. Now, that's not data, that's anecdote, but it helps me. Um, and I think if approached in the right way, um, you can do that. I know, and I've had this argument with people on both sides, refereeing and coaches, like, hey, coach is a term of respect. And I, it is, I agree. And that's why I've, I always ask, like, may I call you John? And I got to tell you, I've had two coaches that have said, no, call me coach. Like, okay, that's fine. Um, because really, as a referee, you're not my coach. Um, so let's talk to each other as people involved in this game. And now you're not just a noun, and I'm not just a noun. I'm a person. 
maybe that helps a little bit. I think we got to think about more ways to do that. It's, it's not about the X's and O's of, of refereeing. It's, it is a lot about conflict resolution and, and people and and all that stuff. It's, it's interesting. I'm glad it took 10 minutes to think about it today. And I I would, I would also (laughs) say, or ask rather, um, Anecdotally, have you ever reversed a decision because someone was shouting at you from the sidelines or on the pitch as a referee? <laughs> like, uh, um, you know, my, my, I want to say, no, I've never done that, Nick. And as a fourth official, I often tell the coaches, like, you can yell all you want. I don't think he's going to change his mind, but, you know, if you feel better about yeah. it, okay, yeah. that's good. Primal screens are No, ordinarily no, oh. but, but there have been, you know, I, I have changed my mind about things. That's, so that's happened. I don't know that it's directly related to somebody yelling at me, but maybe bringing it to my attention. Eh, maybe. Maybe. But ordinarily, no. Is he yelling? He's supposed to be yelling. Ordinarily, doesn't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know whoever said that. I don't know whoever said I had to be perfect 100% of the time. They oh. are said it. All right. Look, um, I'm close yeah. to the time. So, John. Do you have any more questions before we wrap this baby up? No, Bruce. Bruce is in my speed dial. He's going to get all my questions <laughs> offline. But I, I definitely, uh, I definitely appreciate you jumping on, Bruce. It's, it's good, good to hear. It's good for uh, um, our thousands and thousands of listeners to get to hear, um, you know, what to expect with you as the new executive director and and the way you're going about it. And and I wish you all the best. And certainly, we're not too far away geographically. If you you need to pick our brains or, or get some input. We're always here to talk and listen. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to come on. I'm, you know, don't have a lot of answers right now, so I'd feel free to reach out as, as I told a lot of our members over the weekend. Um, I know you don't know much about me and I haven't done anything yet, but six months at our AGM, I said, I'm sure well, I've done a few things that will have prompted some type of a response. So, um, I'd, I'd love to come back and talk to you when I've got some more concrete things to, to discuss, or you've seen some things and they have more, more concrete. You don't have to be so delicate about your questions as, as you do now. when you're like, eh, I've got no idea. I've only been here three weeks. Well, Nick's, um, Nick's soft. He's a, he just, he's soft <laughs> delivering questions. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. We'll leave it there. Bruce, thank you so much for your time, my friend. Um, hopefully we see you out at the university some point this, this season. Um, if you do come by, please say hello. Um, can't, can't miss me, you can't miss John. Um, but if not, then best of luck with everything. I know you won't be there because you'll be busy. If you're not, uh, I can't imagine you just think you're a fishing man. But uh, yes, thank you for your time today. Thank you for um, everything you're doing for soccer in the region and wider further afield. Hopefully this isn't the last time our paths meet, our paths cross, and you are welcome back on this podcast at any time, should you be running for Election users to the proper government. It's all good. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. Anytime. Anytime. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care, Daniel. Thanks, guys.